Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Arbo's most besieged work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. Wait, Elliot, before we start this episode, a reminder to all you lovely folks out there that the uh, Parahumans costume contest is currently going on. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to dress up as a parahuman, you could dress up as an other or uh, anything else, I would recommend doing... What's an easy parahumans costume? Uh, not parahumans. An easy packed costume to do. Um, well, I mean, you know, there was there was tons of cool new others in, in this very chapter. Mm. I mean, you know, just detach your head from the rest of its body and dress yep. up as, as the, the three girls from this chapter. Yep. I, I um, think doing a behame would be pretty easy. You just dress a little bit smarmy and carry like a pocket watch and you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just get a photo of you being as smug as possible <laughs> yeah. in normal clothes and, and we'll count it behame. as a Bahame photo. Yeah. Or if you've got blonde hair, uh, the Duchamps are mostly blonde, aren't they? And I guess uh, mm. the Thorburns. I think the Thorburns are like a dirtier, like dirtier blonde. Mm. Yeah. So lots of good costume ideas there. So now you have no excuse not to do it. Um, and let's begin our show. So we're here mm-hmm. to talk about Duress 12.7, which is um, Blake's inaugural... Uh, episode as a big scary monster man so congratulations it's off to a bad start though because the first thing that blake (laughs) thinks of is basically just visions of violent shit some done to him and some violent shit that he has done to other people yeah he's just sort of overcome with memories of violence and a desire to continue this pattern with some sort of idea that if he does so it'll fix things yeah um it's it's an absolutely terrible omen of of where this is going but you're like well fuck you you know that thing about like couples who are in a bad relationship and they the the meme of like thinking oh well if we just have a kid i'm sure everything will fix itself right that feels like what this is for blake (laughs) this is blake's version of that um yeah yeah he 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 does seem self-aware enough though to realize that he's kind of being played a bit here which i think is a new thing for Blake. So not only did he become a monster man, he also apparently gained some self-awareness. Um, well, yeah. I think there have been multiple points where Blake has sort of noticed things uh, like affecting him and then not really followed through with that awareness. Like sometimes he's like, oh, you know, I'm being affected by Poe's energy. And then he just runs off and, and sort of and still does it. Yeah. follows his instincts. Uh, so yeah, he's sort of been a mixed bag through the whole story on actually sort of recognizing and following through on things that are affecting him. Um, and this is one of those things where it's like, this thing is so obviously affecting him. Even he's like, okay, I'm being pushed in this direction, but it still kind of takes Evan to, to pull him out of it. Although I think, I think there's a bit more to that, but it's interesting as he sort of charges out here, he talks about how he's just sort of going with these violent tendencies, but there's that yeah. little part of him that's like, I hope my friends will just grab me and stop me. Yeah. And it's like, that's that little shred of, of Blake in inside of the Thorburn boogeyman that it's, I'm hoping yeah. somebody's going to grab a hold of soon. It's such a cry for help, right? Not only is it stop me from doing these horrible things, but also like, please prove to me that you actually care about me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they don't, of course. Um, I mean, not of course, but it's, it is sad, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so Blake has this thought about, he think he thinks he, he's thinking more and more about Barbatorum, which is fair. Barbatorum is his dad now, um, and so he he thinks the shears which he had used to carve a man up, producing Rose the heir and Blake the custodian. I wondered what our name had been before, and of course I can't read a sentence like that without uh, 
saying, let's turn it into a prediction. What do you got, Elliot? Can you guess the name <laughs> of the original? I mean, what's interesting, because this line and you asking me this makes me feel like it's going to be some sort of name that will have some significance. Mm. Uh, I don't have any ideas. I, I'll um, tell you, it's a hard guess, but it is logical-ish. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think if there was like a male form of Rose, because I'm still convinced the original was a dude. Um, I mean, it could have just been Blake. It, the fact you're asking me makes me think it's not. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I maybe uh, ask me next chapter unless right. we're right, right about to find out. But uh, I'm so, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that you didn't realize the male form of Rose is Bros. Um, and that's what it is. Spelt B R O S. The best I came up with was Ross. Hmm. Yeah, not bad. Um, yeah. So, uh, so. There are a bunch of beats here about uh, Blake kind of coming to terms with his body, his new body, and and that it does seem to have afforded him some additional like perks now that he's fully leaned into his otherness. For example, mm. his pants and jackets, uh, his pants and jacket, I should say, have been converted into basically a form of armor. Um, yeah, I mean, I see the talk on his clothes here is just a bit of a metaphor for himself. Um, because like this is the same. He's had these clothes on right since he got out of the drains last time. Well, it's only like, been like two days since the start of the story, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but like I remember he stopped by his apartment after uh, defeating, uh, I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> her. Um, yeah. and, and so I think he only changed his shirt or something. I'd have to go back and read it. But anyway, like these, these clothes have really been through the ringer with him. And I feel like, you know, the, the whole idea of, the pants sort of spreading dirt everywhere, but not getting cleaner, and and the jacket just sort of being so hardened. It's not a jacket; it's just a like a shell that's sort of knife proof. I think like that serves as metaphor. So kind of where Blake is at right now. Yeah, I mean, can we talk about the fact that these clothes have become a part of his identity? These dirty clothes, and we know for Blake, well, at least well, for what he used to be. He that was, used to matter so much. Exactly. He was so focused on... I mean, he, he definitely had this vibe of, like, my body is my own. And obviously, this story has taken that away from him one piece at a time. But um, I mm. don't know. It just really hits home to me now that, like, this thing that he was so intent on being his safe kind of representation of himself is just so, so far gone. Well, what he used to sort of define it by is he wanted to look good because he wanted people to know that he wasn't at his worst anymore it's like i've been through the, the, the rough patch of my life and now i've come out and like look how well i'm doing that that was sort of yeah. what he was going for and I, I think the thing is he just he he knows now that he's back he in is a really shit worst, situation yeah. and he's i think like you know aside from his boogeymanness pushing old blake instincts like that down i think there's probably the part of him is still in there would probably be like well this is what i deserve right now mm. Yeah, I wonder if he was more aware of that as it was happening, it would have been enough of a sign to ward him away. I, I think not, but just kind of like, I don't know, it's hard, it's, it's hard to, when you're reading a story like this, all in one go, all in one sitting or whatever, it's really easy to forget that Blake was so focused on the concept of his body as his identity, and he's just so, he's just fallen so fucking far. It's really kind of depressing. Mm, mm. Yeah, I hadn't stopped to think about it, but um, like you're right. It's such this is such a huge change from where he was in like arcs four and five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a change that I think Blake has 
thought has come by inches, and maybe it has kind of crawled up on him, snuck up on him, but you just get these moments of like, man, you're just not you anymore, Blake, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway, <clears throat> that that obviously was the whole point of last chapter, and we're just kind of <laughs> dealing with the aftermath, I guess. Um, so Blake, with his two best friends in tow, that is Evan and Green Eyes, um, are walking up the hill to the house to light a fire, and they kind of start discussing their goals in life, right? Um, where do they want to end up? And And Evan starts... And interestingly, Evan talks about the things that he wants to do after they're finally out of danger. And he's the only person that actually has some things that he wants to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. Evan really kickstarts this conversation because he's basically asking them, yeah, but like, what are we, like, what are we doing? Well, Green Eyes and Blake don't, don't have anything. Well, yeah, Blake's the one who's kind of like, uh, who starts to look further and Evan's like, oh, well, I want to do this, this, this. And anyway, I mean, for me, essentially what happens here, like, my understanding of this is Evan has basically just stopped Blake from essentially committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Like at, at the end of the day, Evan kind of talks him out of just a situation he knows he's probably not getting out of. He doesn't yes. quite think of it like that, but I think he was thinking that um, on on some level. Well, so, I think he thinks, "Oh, I'll just throw myself into it, and it'll be fine." Or yeah. like, "And I'll turn into more of a fucking monster," but whatever. And Evan actually finally, finally gets through to him enough for him to be like, okay, wait, maybe I should slow play this a bit. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. God for Evan. Um, I mean, I feel like that's the that's the actual catchphrase of Pact. You know, people have said things like, oh, you know, it's both or, you know, oh, but wait, it's worse. I think the real catchphrase for, for Pact is going to be, thank God for Evan. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, this made me think about this. Like, Evan is defined as being a survivor, right? And mm-hmm. it, it kind of gave me the thought that Blake was obviously never meant to survive as long as he did. I think the only reason that he lasted as long as he did was be because he took Evan as a familiar. Evan's kind of survive energy was what helped Blake not die all those times he probably should have. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thought. I, I hadn't really thought about it, but like that makes sense to me is, you know, they were sort of exchanging energies and, and Blake may have ended up with a bit more, you know, get out of there uh spirits than anyone could have reasonably expected yeah um yeah like and and, you know he would have had those on him already even when their connection was cut i guess um and and, i mean i i really like this idea because i think it was really you know blake's heart and soul because he has those rows um (laughs) that that really led him to connect with evan at one point well yeah 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 he used to um you know I, i think it, it was it was those that really sort of led him to instantly connect with Evan. Like it was sort of the good things about him, I would say that, yeah. that uh, led to him and Evan sort of instantly bonding. Yeah. Um. So it's like you know, I, I like this because if it was sort of Evan's influence that helped has helped Blake survive, I think that that works because it was the best parts of both of them that led to them like you know teaming up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And not to kind of harp on about how far Blake has fallen, but that that the representation of his good parts that attracted Evan was him being like, I am a, he- I am a hero. We're going to stop the bad things. Right. And now that has morphed into, I'm a hero. We're going to go kill some humans. <laughs> 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 um, so again, I think they form this connection over Blake's heart and soul, but this story really likes to rub home how, how much that isn't here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, we'll get there. Yeah, I, Evan is the I think the guide that will help him back along the way. We'll have to see. I mean, I'm 
we'll get to this at the end, but I'm very curious to Evan's response to uh, what's going to happen at the end of this chapter. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Green Eyes kind of chimes in talking about how she's basically satisfied enough with her current situation that she doesn't really want for anything else. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is so good. I love this so much. Yeah. And I, 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 obviously Green Eyes is very, very wholesome, right? A very different kind of wholesome to Evan, but a way that is kind of complimentary. Um, and I quite like that the two things that seem to be pushing Blake more towards his humanity are these two others that are his best friends. <laughs> yeah, he's gathered a, a great pair of others to to chill with. Um, and I mean, I think that's obvious in how their goals align with his. Like, it's this talk of what the two of them want long term that kind of finally brings him a bit to his senses and lets him get through the the noise that the, the abyss, I assume, is sort of filling his head with. I- um Mm. I, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of wondering, is Green Eyes a good influence on Blake? I think there are ways in which she is, but I think there's also a kind of sense of like apathy and callousness to Green Eyes that I'm a bit worried about whether that's good to have around Blake. I'm kind of I kind of can't put my finger on where I land on this. Sorry, I'm just scrolling down. I have a big rant on this later in the notes. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to find it. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, this is something I, I, I'm really interested to see what Green Eyes is going to be in the story going forward. Because since she was sort of reintroduced proper in Eleven Dot X, I mean, we, we haven't really talked about it, but she's been coming on to Blake like fairly hard. Yep, um, and about as hard as yeah, about as hard as she can given the circumstances. Um, she does again in this chapter when she points out like that he's still got the mark where she kissed him. Yeah. Um, and Evan kind of snaps both of them back into reality at that point. Um, but yeah, like the, the thing about Green Eyes throughout all of this, like while she's sort of been basically crushing on Blake, she's just kind of gone along with everything he says, and she does it a lot this chapter. Like she, she, like one of the things she says in this conversation we're in right now is she's just sort of like, oh, I'll just do whatever plan you want. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit later where she clearly sort of wants to go for the food, but the second Blake shoots her a look, she just sinks back. Yeah. Um, she's clearly just sort of doing everything that Blake wants, and that has me worried that, uh, like, I don't know, he hasn't given any indication in our, in his narration that he feels the same way or anything. Like, I think he, he you know, thinks she's a good friend, but I'm just worried she might snap um, at some point if, if these feelings don't start to become reciprocated or... Mm. Um, I mean, the cautiously optimistic side of me wants to believe that she'll act as a calming influence. Like, she'll be the one to start to realize that this isn't the Blake that she liked when she first met him anymore and maybe talk some sense into him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, these are all valid fears, right? I, I think you can be optimistic and see it as, like, Blake and Green Eyes forming a close relationship gives him another thing to live for, which I think is true. But then there's also, to me, this sense of, like, Green Eyes is of the abyss, and the abyss is the thing that is, like, dragging Blake down away from humanity. Like, for all we know, Green Eyes could literally be an agent of the abyss, either intentionally or unintentionally, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, and we've seen, we've had a couple of warning signs, you know, the the fact she keeps calling Evan Bird Morsel, um, <laughs> the fact that she just eats human flesh so much. Um, there's definitely reasons to be concerned about her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's any red flags that are strong enough to be worried, but you're right, concerned, I think is the appropriate word for it. Yeah, well, and just this story has trained me to not take anything for granted. So, like, like, you know, I, I am sitting here and whenever there's a little warning sign, I'm like, 
okay, like this could be a thing later, you know. Yeah. Terrible things do happen in this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so getting back to 12.7, uh, Blake, uh, gets to the top of the hill, gets close to the house and has a run in with some kind of Lamia, I would say, esque others who basically are posturing a lot and trying to prove that they're stronger than they actually are. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's good for Blake now that his baseline, I guess, is scary tree as opposed to mm. normal human, because mm. I like, you know, as a normal human, I would have had to fucking book it with these three. They they sound oh. incredible, but like for where Blake's at right now, he he kind of just you know makes nothing of them. I don't find them that scary. I'm kind of with Blake. Oh, they have long necks. Oh, what are they gonna do? It's yeah. not necks. It's like all the muscles and and oh, viscera. that's what like, a neck dude. is. It's just a long neck without the wrapper. Elliot. Yeah, <laughs> the wrapper is the important part. <laughs> <laughs> um. So these Lamia, I'm just going to call them Lamia. Uh, we get the name of one of them, which is Arne. Um, anyway, they reveal that they're basically guarding their share of, the, of a kill. Whoever finally finishes off Midge gets the best pick of her meat. But it seems like she's a fair way off from death. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm simultaneously impressed, horrified, and a little bit sad that mm. Midge is still kicking at this point. I mean, she's what a, such what a, a trooper, champ. huh? Yeah. Like, she, well, okay, so we touched on how I, I th- I'm starting to think Evan's ability to survive has been what's made Blake make it this far. And Midge here gives me such, like, hardcore survival vibes that I just want her to be on side, even though I know that wouldn't work out in any way. <laughs> um, it, we don't have any reason to think that she survives the end of this chapter, but we also don't see her die, and so I'm kind of optimistic that we're going to see her more. Didn't we see her die in Arc 7? Like, isn't she one of those boogeymen who, when she dies, eventually she sort of respawns back in the abyss? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess she's doing enough. She seems kind of like the exact kind of monster that the abyss wants. And so it's she's got yeah. enough good good abyss karma or whatever it would be, good abyss points that the abyss is like, yeah, I'll bring you back. Good, Let's go another round. Yeah, I think even Green Eyes and Blake are kind of working off the assumption that if they get killed they might end up in the abyss or at least green eyes seems to think so Mm. yeah yeah i mean i i would i would think it would depend on how monstrous they are but you never know yeah um so yeah blake blake and co basically ask for access to the house in order to light a fire and they don't even want any meat or green eyes kind of does but as you said backs down (laughs) and the lamia basically are forced to accept after blake's like Look, you can't stop me, so let's just put this, let's just stop this charade and we'll go through. They do get one good zing in on Blake though. Um like our first introduction to the idea that they can sense weak points is when she's sort of like, You're the type of other who can burn. And mm. I, I don't think she just means fire is bad for you, Blake. I think yeah. she's kind of talking about his self destructive tendencies. Uh and it's a pretty it's a pretty good burn. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> he he really I mean I think it's fair to assume that part of his lack of giving a shit here is because they seem relatively weak to him, but also he's just seems so apathetic. <laughs> like he he's he he plays along with their questions for a bit, um which is nice it shows that manipulative and misleading conversations aren't just for practitioners, but um <laughs> I, I like I don't know, I'm kind of his apathy here is uh concerning. 
Um, yeah. Uh, this whole chapter, he really reminds me of what we saw of the faceless woman at the start of Arc 10. Wait, that's sort of barely controlling his rage, not always able to think straight. I think he does a little bit better than she was seeming to, but, um, you know, we were introduced to her and the Revenant right at the start of Arc 10, and, and we talked about how it felt like these two were setting goalposts for what an Abyss-born such as himself could yep. be. And it really feels like he's moved way further on the spectrum towards yep. her than um than the more peaceful Revenant type. It took two chapters for him to get there. <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah, two arcs. Yeah, it's a two arcs. Sorry. Yeah. If if Evan wasn't around, like I shudder to think. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He he'd be yeah he'd be so much further. Well, he'd probably be dead. But I, um, yeah. I mean, I could see it being that if Evan wasn't around. That siege on the house, as soon as Blake gets out of the mirror, he takes part. Like, full on, I could see that have, having, having happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the, the gang start to build their fire. Green Eyes heads inside to pick up some chairs and shit to, to, to shore up their fire. I'm just back to thinking, what the fuck is Rose going to think when she comes back? This house is so <laughs> fucked up. I mean, uh, yeah. And the rest of the Thorburns, you know, when, when, are all, the Thor- when all the Thorburn parents come back, it's going to be like, oh, good thing you left your kids here, you idiots. Um, <laughs> and what are they going to, like, the kids are all fucked up as well. What are they going to think happened? <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. I, I can't wait for that scene, um, <laughs> if we even make it that far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're on a pretty uh, intense trajectory, so we'll see. Um, So, okay, so I want to point out this other thing, right? Where there's a few lines where Blake is talking about how they're trying to start a fire, but they don't have enough kindling. And, I mean, maybe I'm I'm reading too much into it, but based on how self-sacrificial Blake is, I 100% thought he was just going to start snapping off parts of his body to use as kindling. Like, that's the level of suicidal to a cause that blake is at i was on the same page i was half expecting him to just like tear bits of his arm off and start like fire plowing Mm. um right there on the spot uh i mean the other interesting bit here i think is uh blake does have the thought after he gets the matches where he's like oh i wouldn't just want to light the whole matchbox at once that would be you know too volatile (laughs) and uh Let's let's keep a let's keep a tracker on how long that lasts. <laughs> Doesn't even last one chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Not even I half. Mean, yeah, Blake, <laughs> Blake is clearly at the point where he sets up. Oh, this is too dangerous, and those barriers fall away very quickly. <laughs> yeah, he's. Yeah. Um. So the fire gets started, and it seems like it's all going to go fine for once, and there won't be any problems. Until um, <laughs> Midge basically gives the game away by laughing at Blake enough that the others are like, what's going on here? And then some of them start to recognize him. Um, and we get a, a bit of a chase scene from there. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's such a funny, like, unexpected way for Blake <laughs> to kind of get outed. Like, he's he's sort of done this unexpectedly successful stealth mission. And you're like, yeah, what could go wrong now? And yeah. of all things, Midge is what gives him away. Which is uh, great. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, and it's interesting, like, I, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what Midge, why Midge was laughing so hard um, at, at this. Like, you know, was it about the idea of Blake lighting the house on fire when she knows who he is? Or, mm. like, I mean, the other thought that crossed my mind is, we don't know what Blake looks like in his current form. Like, maybe Midge just thinks he looks hilarious. Yeah, maybe like, he does really look worried. hilarious, yeah. Yeah, what, what does he look like now exactly? She might have just been laughing yeah. at how ridiculous he looks. Maybe he's come out as one of the clowns from the tenements or something. 
Who knows? <laughs> um, Mitch loves clowns. Yeah, it's of canon. course. <laughs> They're hilarious. Everyone loves a good clown. <laughs> um, so, so we get a few beats during this chase scene where Blake basically is able to easily outrun everybody because of how light his twig body is. And I, mm. I don't know. This kind of just struck me as like this is a this is a full on upgrade. Like I don't know if we got beats before of Blake being really quick. I mean, we talked about how he's good at dodging stuff because. You know, he's got Evan's kid energy that, that helps him out. But, um, yeah, being quick is now a bit of a, a Blake power, which is nice. I think I think there were actually a number of beats or he was in the mirrors that he could move quicker. Mm. Um, and he sort of talked about it for a bunch of different reasons. Like some of it he said because it was in the mirrorverse. Mm. Some of it was because he's an other, so he doesn't like tire in the same way. Yeah. Um, but I think it was mentioned that he felt like he was a bit lighter and could get more momentum built up as as another in the mirrors. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of, I, I guess I was just kind of ascribing that to him being able to kind of like immediately jump across the darkness. But I kind of realize now that there wasn't necessarily always darkness around for that to be facilitated with. So I don't know. No. That helped at times too. I mean, that was obviously a factor. Yeah. Um. But oh, like, I think even like when he had to just you know run the old-fashioned way, he was better at it in the mirrors. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, being faster and lighter because there's sort of less flesh and more twigs in your body seems like a mixed success at best. <laughs> um. But I guess it, Blake's at the point where he kind of has to take that. Um. There's also a bit like he he carries green eyes for a little bit here. She sort of you know wraps around him and and becomes a bit of a backpack. <laughs> uh, and you know she strips off some more bits of his flesh. Like he takes note of you know more flesh. She's sort of tearing off, and it's just he's so willing still to sacrifice what little he has left. Like I love and hate him so much for it. Yeah, yeah. He's just like he doesn't even I don't know. He doesn't even seem to be caring at all about preserving this flesh i don't think he's no. realized the symbolic importance of this flesh of his on his body no it, it, I, I think he used to think about it back mm-hmm. when he was mostly flesh yeah back when he actually cared about being a human i guess yeah exactly um so blake is in order to kind of escape from these from these uh pursuing others <laughs> blake <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. He <laughs> climbs a tree and sets it on fire. Yep. Uh, so what was that? Four four minutes of recording yep. uh, for the for the matchbox idea to completely tank. Yeah. Um. No, and I love that his original plan was set a house on fire while I'm in it, and then set a room on fire while I'm in it, and now it's set a tree on fire while I'm in it. <laughs> like pretty soon he's just going to set himself on fire, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, literally, metaphorically, well, I think metaphorically he's maybe already done it, but um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, look, what has happened here is a, a walking tree person living in a world that's dictated by imagery and metaphor has climbed up to a tree and just started to burn it yep. and, and almost burn themselves. Like, it's like he's not even aware of the imagery of what he's doing right here. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, I mean that tree is his family, right? Like that's what these other others must be thinking <laughs> is what the fuck? This ant just just burned down his best friend or whatever. <laughs> that's what I'd be thinking. Um yeah, I like I just I, I don't know. I'm so concerned that he's running around burning down trees considering his current yeah. uh, biology. Yeah, and, and there's some lines that kind of reinforce that metaphor right because as he's climbing this tree um basically the twigs that that he's 
climbing past, like, get caught in his hair, in his body. And and rather than actually, like, slowing him down, they seem to, like, reinforce him and, and help him climb the tree quicker, right? Which is yeah, know, he, reinforcing he, him. But it, it does feel like it's, it's, again, playing to that metaphor of, like, just, like, becoming one with the trees. Yeah, exactly. It, it ties him to the tree in a physical way. Uh, and, you know, apparently that's also a new ability he has. He can kind of absorb wood. I reckon that'll be a fun ability that we might get to use later, hopefully. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I, I, as you said, the the whole imagery of this just really adds to the idea of Blake being connected to the tree that he's about to just uh, destroy because that's what he does to himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of destroying things, uh, he murders a few of the pursuing others and basically doesn't feel too bad about it. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, he... It's it's honestly it's pretty badass. Um, like you know, he he does it with good form. Uh, <laughs> as a, as a spirit, I was I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah. So, bonus marks. I mean, you know, he brings like a sword to a gunfight and mm. and wins anyway. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, he's quick. He's quick on the draw with that hyena. Um, I do feel bad for the like Hollywood actress. Other, she seemed kind of fun, and we don't get to know her cool powers. Yeah, I felt like that was a reference to to someone or something, and, mm. and I, I, I haven't figured it out. If anybody has any ideas, hit us up, Yeah, because uh, I, I, I feel like it's something. I don't know what... It, I I think you're right. It, feel, it feels like a specific reference, but I don't know what it is. I, I kind of feel like it's this vibe of, like, kind of playing off of the idea of, uh, uh, of like, uh, celebrities leaving an impression through culture, um, and so this was a famous actress who was big enough that even after they died, they kind of left a strong enough impression, kind of like stone tape ghost theory stuff, um, but yeah. with a, like a media angle. But it does, I don't know who the specific actress is or anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, there's like a bunch of things it could be. I, I just, I, I don't know enough about those sorts of movies or anything. To, yeah, it feels <laughs> like, like uh, Golden Age it, cinema style stuff. Yeah, to, to have a proper educated guess. Yeah. Um, so all the others that were chasing him are either dead or scared off, and so Blake basically goes to see if the fire has drawn enough attention. Uh, he sees that there are some practitioners watching, and he prepares himself to murder them. <sighs> yeah. Boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you remember when uh, Andy blew up that fake... Uh, it was a Duchamp, I think, and he and yeah. we were kind of like, oh, it was just identity theft. Should you really have shot that person with an RPG or whatever, a sniper rifle, whatever it was? This is like... A million times worse than that. Blake's just like, mm, I'm going to kill some <laughs> practitioners. Like, it's really, I don't yeah. know. Uh, look, I, I do not disagree with him that I think all the adult practitioners in this town could be classified as some kind of monstrous. I think they are all the worst. Yeah. Uh, just kind of going around murdering them, though, it doesn't doesn't really feel right. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, sure, I think some of them... You can make a compelling case for it, but some of these people, like some of the Bahames, are just basically yeah. batteries. They're innocent batteries, really, right? <laughs> like that's what the purpose they serve. And I think that's the same with some Duchamps, and even honestly with some of these others that Johannes has found yeah. or that are just in the town. They're just kind of there to be a part of the system, and they're not really taking too active a role. They're just following the flow of events. No, exactly. There's a difference between being a dick and deserving a tree man stabbing you yep. with his goblin sword. Uh, and, yeah, Blake has lost sight of that gap. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's bad. Uh, Blake has basically become everything that he started out hating. 
Yeah, well, there was that interesting thing when when Rose introduced to him the idea that he was designed to kill all of the enemies until there were none left, and he sort of self-destruct. I mean, there's still plenty of enemies, so that's not quite what's happening. But there is this sort of sense of like like what they touched on, where he's becoming a bit of a monster. Oh yeah, basically. Um, you know, he talks about how he needs to kill all the bad monsters, and hopefully Evan's just going to get to turn around at some point and be like, y- "You're the fucking monster! Like, what are you doing?" Yeah, like it. Honestly, it's like all of the things that Blake set out to be, he is now the opposite of them. Right? Like, like we talked yeah. about his yeah. his level of care for his body, things like that we've touched on, like the hyena and how it symbolizes in some really messed up ways some of the traumas that he's gone through and now he's kind of like kind of reliving them through having the hyena as his implement or close enough to it like i don't know it's it's grim mm-hmm. yeah 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 um also one thing uh, that's sort of the end of the chapter mm. um you know we we end on this note of Blake's off to to kill everybody yep Um, so just before we go, I quickly wanted to, it's been a while since I did any predictions. Um, and I, I, I think I'm finally confident ish enough in this one to, to lay it out. I mean, so I'm pretty sure Barbatorum's getting out soon ish. Like, I feel like we've had two arcs now of just, oh, well, we can't let Barbatorum out. That would be terrible. Mm. And and in Pactland, that means eventually Barb's getting out. (laughs) Um, and I, I think I'm finally ready to try and describe how i think that's gonna happen like i i think at the end I, I, at the end of the day it's gonna be something that blake and and his group did um mm. and, and so i think like what's gonna happen now is something he's gonna do in this murder spray coming up is going to cause rose not to be able to come back and then barbatorum's gonna get out like i think all the all the mess around the fire or whatever is actually going to get in the way of rose coming back you don't think and, the fire is um, just gonna let barbatorum out no, I, I it'd be it'd be too obvious for the fire to, right. to be it. Basically, I think um, I think it's going to be a consequence of dealing with the fire, and maybe of dealing with Blake and whatever sh- crazy shit he's about to get up to. Mm. Yeah, cool. I mean, I like it as a prediction. Put it in the spreadsheet, and we'll see. I guess. Um, actually, yeah, I'm going to do it right now. We'll cut this bit out, but I'm going to do it right now because otherwise <laughs> I'll forget. Uh, yeah. Well, um, while while Ruben's doing that, uh, I'll just get started with the Monster Corner, uh, which is our bonus bit for this episode. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about Krasu. I'm like 90% sure that's how that's pronounced. Um, And and Krasu are basically this Southeast Asian ghosty monster thing um, that, you know, are heads that fly around and they drag entrails and stuff behind them. You know, it's what Blake met today i mm. think um he met three krasu it feels accurate yeah um and, and so these things are from all over southeast asia there's versions of them in thailand cambodia laos indonesia um there's like some variants in sort of the philippines and, and japan even um it, it's sort of just a bit all over the place but kind of as you'd expect it's you know it varies geographically like the mythology um in general though most of them are usually female um and they're cursed to sort of fly around and and they're always hungry for like raw or sometimes even rotten flesh classic um, which feels kind of kind of on point to to what the the girls we met this chapter this, were, were all about this feels like the most on point monster corner that we've ever had honestly 
Uh, I mean, that's because uh, this mythology is so great. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know it's how much Wobbler needed to tweak it. Um, so they actually present in as normal humans during the day. Um, and, and so, you know, they sort of at night, what they do is they stash their body somewhere and then the head and the entrails fly out and that's when they t- do their business and then they have to get back to their body during the daytime. And so if you can kill the body while the head's not there, that's actually the best way to kill them in most versions of the mythology. So that's quite different mm. to, to how they functioned, uh, here in Pact. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't really touch on it, but. One of the things that this that Anne said as she left Blake was, "Do me a favor, kill the body." As like, yeah. and I kind of got the impression that this was a unsuspecting host who had become part of the you know feeding cycle of this thing. Yeah, so I think um, that there was like a Japanese version of this that was actually a type of yokai. Uh, Classic and. and- and they they didn't have the entrails and stuff, but they did do the whole sort of possession mm. type deal. Mm. So, you know, it may sort of be some some bits of mythology getting mixed up there. Um, but, yeah, so the general idea behind uh, uh, becoming a Krasu is is that you're cursed. Um, and, and, you know, depending on, on whereabouts in the mythology you are, it's because you're a shit person or because you're too rich. Um or uh, interestingly, people who practice magic were often said to turn into them. Um, mm. Or the relatives of those who practice magic were often cursed to become Krasu, which sounds more on point with sort of Blake's interpretation of them not being practitioners. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, so, so I just want to finish off with some fun facts. Um, they can smell wounds. So basically, they're really good at finding people who are wounded at night. So it's usually like if you've got an illness, uh, that's generally when you want to be on the lookout for these things, which I, I think may have been the inspiration for their ability to sort of sense weakness mm. here. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, there's actually some mythologies where they specifically target pregnant women, um, and I do not want to go into what they do when they find <laughs> yes, heavily pregnant don't. women. Uh, <laughs> they but... just give them a nice uh, box of chocolate and leave them alone, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go good, with that. Good, good, good. Um, uh, so the other fun fact is uh, the best way to uh, scare them off is with thorny branches. Huh. Um, uh, so, you know, in, in basically what you're meant to do is sort of surround your house with, with sort of spiky or, or thorny branches. Yeah, and, I know uh, a thorny that, branch. That, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, yeah, a thorny branch scared them off this chapter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in, in the mythology, it's because their entrails get caught up on the on the thorny branches. But mm. our metaphor is better. Well, that probably um, would have happened if they had fought Blake, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, God, imagine if anything similar to what happened when he was climbing the tree happened with them. I, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I wonder if Blake, like, Blake was so adamant that they were super weak. I wonder if he kind of sensed... That you know that he was the the fire starter to their grass Pokemon, you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, because the other interesting thing is the the other thing they're so across uh, who are often afraid of and and can kill them is fire. Um, and obviously, mm. you know, Blake was all about that. This chapter, yeah. I maybe he would have even set himself on fire to deal with them. Mm. You know, that's what what we need. We need to give Evan. We need Evan to become as familiar again. Then we give Evan the fire powers, and one of Blake's perks will be fire immunity, and then he can just go nuts, and he won't have to sacrifice bits of himself because metaphorically he'll be immune from his own setting himself on fire. Things, please. What you don't think this tragedy is going to end with Evan accidentally setting Blake on fire? (laughs) (laughs) That'll be the worst fucking way to go. It's so sad. Why did I say that? That would be awful. 
Anyway, and yep. that's the end of our episode. And that's a great note to leave Duress 12.7 on. Um, before we go, do please remember that we are currently running a discussion question. That discussion question is, pick a character from this here story pact and explain what element you think they are and why. I've already got a few cool answers in and I'd love to see some more. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, while you're sort of riding the deep impact wave after giving you a great discussion question answer, why don't you head on over to iTunes or, you know, it's Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. um, or uh, Stitcher and you can leave us a review and then more people discover Deep Impact and then more people discover Pact and, and then, you know, there'll be more people reading this great story. And that's really what we all want. Yeah, I'm going to totally steal uh, an idea that they talked about on What You Say, which is another Doof podcast, and suggest that you try and write a review on iTunes that uses the words from this week's episode of Do The Right Thing which I think are all Halloween-themed words. So if you can fit all those <laughs> words into your iTunes review, bonus points. Yes. Uh, and, of course, speaking of the other shows on Doof Media, head on over to doofmedia.com to, to find out more about all of them. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of great ones. The book club is actually running later today, so when this episode comes out, you've got about 12 hours to, to read the book and then participate in the discussion. Uh, it's a tight deadline, but I believe in you. Yeah, you can do it. Um, so, yeah, uh, go check it out. Speaking of things to check out, why don't you check out our Twitter, which is at MediaMDPodcast. Um, that's a place to find things like our live reads. Elliot will be shortly doing a live read of this very chapter, and I'm so excited to see his reaction to next chapter. Oh, God, it's never a good thing when you say that. Ah, uh, there are no um... good <laughs> chapters that aren't going to have, like, great reactions left, Elliot. Um, yeah, actually, so that live read will be taking place right before the book club, so... Um, you know, you've actually only got, you've got an hour less to read the book mm. than, than I said before. Mm. Um, and you know, if, if you love Deep Impact, the book club, do the right thing, what you say, any of the other doof shows, patreon.com forward slash doof media is the place for you. You can exchange, you know, a very reasonable, uh, amount of money, whatever you can afford. And you get a bunch of great perks, uh, joining our community and discord, as we've said, is the best one. So, uh, yeah. head on over and have a look. I'd also recommend if you back at the $5 or up per month level, you get access to our monthly Doof and Chill, as well as some other stuff. Um, the Doof and Chill is my favorite Doof thing ever. It's so much fun to do and to interact with the community. Uh, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a lot of fun. It's a great get-together. Um, if you also want your money to go supporting other great things, you can check out Wildbo's Patreon, patreon.com slash Wildbo, because he is a completely patron-backed author. Um, means that he can only write all these great stories because we, the audience, pay him to do it. And you can have that privilege too. Just head on over to his Patreon. Yes. And so apart from that, we'll see everyone on Friday. The No, no that's, that's not right. right. That's today. That's, mon- that's this episode, isn't it? Oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, so apart from that, we'll see everyone on Monday, the 28th of October for Duress 12.8. See you then. Yeah.